Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Matthew, chapter 9. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Mark chapter 5. Wait a minute, Rodney. I thought we were in the Gospel of Matthew. Yeah, we are. We've been doing a verse-by-verse study through Matthew, but Mark, I think, has a more detailed, interesting account of the same story. So turn to Mark chapter 5. If you need a Bible, raise your hand. Most certainly you need one. We want to run one to you. Mark chapter 5. Now, if you haven't been with us, we've been talking about the king's power. Got a pen? You're going to need it. We've been talking about the king's power. And so far, we've talked about the king's power over disease and sickness and nature and demons. And the king's power, I love it, to forgive sins because he forgave my sins. Amen. And he forgave your sins. I love talking about that. And then last week, we talked about, if you weren't with us, we talked about his power to offer new life and new love, and the new wine of the Holy Spirit. We talked about that. And this morning, we're going to see that Jesus has the power to raise the dead and to heal the body. Now, here's an outline for you, if you are a note taker. Real simple outline. We're going to deal with Mark in Mark chapter 5. Jairus, or Jesus and Jairus, we'll find that in verses 21 through 24. And then we're going to talk about Jesus and the woman in verses 25 through 34. And then we're going to talk about Jesus and the damsel in verses 35 through 43. Jesus and Jairus, Jesus and the woman, Jesus and the damsel. Mark chapter 5, beginning in verse 21, saints, if you're there, say amen. amen. Now when Jesus had crossed over again by boat to the other side, A great multitude, circle that, multitude, gathered to him, and he was by the sea. And behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came, Jairus is his name, and when he saw him, get this, he worshipped him. And Jesus received his worship, by the way, which tells us that he was God. And he begged him earnestly, saying, my little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her, Jesus that she might be healed, and she will live. And so Jesus went with him, and a great multitude, circle that, multitudes, multitudes, followed him and thronged him. Now, a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years and had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all she had and was no better, but rather she grew worse. And when she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and she touched, the Bible says, the hem of his garment. For she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. 
Well, immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue or power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? But his disciples said, you see the multitude thronging you, Jesus, and you say, who touched me? Disciples, boy, they are smart aleck sometime. (laughs) I'd have had to pop them. Uh, Jesus, all these people, duh, who touch, who knows? So, in verse 32, he looked around to see her who had done this thing. And the woman, fearing and trembling, see, she touched him and she was scared. And there's a reason for that, and I'll tell you in a minute. Fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. And then notice this split second drama in verse 35. While he was still speaking, some came from the ruler of the synagogue's house who said, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? And as soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not be afraid. Only believe. And he permitted no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. And then he came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, and he saw a tumult of those who wept and wailed loudly. And when he came in, he said to them, Why make this commotion and weep? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they ridiculed him. But when he had put them outside, he took the father and the mother of the child and those who were with him and entered where the child was lying. And then he took the child by the hand, isn't this beautiful? And he said to her, Talitha Kumai, which is translated, Danzel, little girl, I say to you, get up. And immediately the girl arose. She walked, for she was 12 years of age. And they were overcome with amazement. But he commanded them strictly that no one should know it and said that something should be given her to eat. Wow, what an amazingly beautiful, beautiful scene. A beautiful story. Now, if you haven't been with us, we've been talking about Jesus is out and about doing ministry. He's healing the sick. He's, he's casting demons out of people and, and, and he's blessing people. And people are coming to him. People love Jesus. Jesus was great to be around. People love to be around him because he laughed a lot and he smiled a lot and he loved a lot. And people like to be loved. I don't know anybody that doesn't love to be loved. And Jesus loved people. And that's why people came to him. And so he was famous by now. And his popularity is growing. And the multitudes are coming. And they gather around him. Now, in the Bible, in the New Testament, you'll find three groups of people if you're taking notes. Number one, you have the multitudes. You have number two, you have followers. Three groups of people. And then you have disciples. We have multitudes. That's the masses. That's a group or a mass of people who are just thronging and following Jesus. And then you have people who are known as followers. And this is a group of people who are not as big as the multitudes, but still a crowd. And they're following Jesus for a lot of different reasons. Some people follow Jesus because they want to get something to eat. 
because he would feed people. Jesus liked to eat, man, after my own heart. And so he liked to feed people and break bread, give them fish. And people followed him. They were followers of Jesus. But then you have this last category of people known as disciples. Disciples? Yeah, those are people who follow Jesus, not because they get some miracle or because they get something to eat. But these are people who follow him because these people realize that following Jesus and being a Christian is a matter of a lifestyle and not something you just do or something you just get. You see, being a Christian is is a lifestyle. It's a commitment. It's saying, Lord, I am committed to be your man. I am committed to be your woman. I'm committed to you, Lord. And of course, doesn't this beg the question, which one are you? Which one are you? Are you just a part of the multitudes? Are you a follower? Are you truly committed? And we talked about it some time in the past. Are you committed? Are you curious? Are you convinced? Which one are you? Now, in our text here, Matthew and Mark, chapter 5, we've got two great sorrowing people. One is a man named Jairus, and the other is a no-name woman. One has a daughter who is ready to die, and then later she dies. And then the other is a woman with an issue of blood, or she's hemorrhaging. And there's something very interesting as you contrast these two people. Jairus was an important officer in the synagogue. He was a ruler of the synagogue. And the woman was a nobody. Jairus had prestige and resources. The women, the woman had nothing. Jairus came pleading for his daughter. The woman came pleading for her own need. For 12 years, Jairus' daughter brought the family great joy and happiness. For 12 years, the woman suffered in sadness. Jairus' need was public, and the woman's need was private. But it's very interesting. You've got these two contrasting people, these two great sorrowing people, But isn't it interesting to you, I was telling Elvira last night, it certainly is interesting to me that these two people, although they have different needs, yet we see that their lives collide together. And where do they collide together? At the feet of Jesus. And that's interesting to me. Because my life and your life collides together where? At the feet of Jesus. Do you know you would not have wanted to know me before I was a Christian? You would not have wanted, and I wouldn't have wanted to know you. And if it wasn't for the cross of Christ or being at the feet of Jesus where we all are, we would have no reason to know each other. The cross and at the feet of Jesus, worshiping the Lord, brings us all together in this house under one roof to hear about the Lord, to talk about the Lord. It gives us the commonality of the Lord. Lives collide together. Relationships collide together at the feet of Jesus. Even after first service, a guy came up to me and he says, hey, he says, I... He says, I collided with one of your members. I preached this sermon. He said, I collided with one of your members last week, and that's why I came to the church today. And I said, oh, my God, y'all had an accident? (laughs) 
And he said, no, no, you, you just preached about lives. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. I did, didn't I? Yeah, okay. Yeah, I remember now. He said, we met in a store and he was talking about Jesus and he was fired up about Jesus. And he said, I had to know what church this guy goes to because all he keeps talking about is Jesus. And he said, I came here this morning, first service today. He said, I was blessed. Lives collide together because of Jesus. Don't you know? Don't you love it? I do. And that's why we love each other. And that's why we know each other. And that's why we come together and worship together. These two people, they both needed Jesus. And it's in Jesus that they find love and compassion and understanding. And they find hope and they find healing. Man, that's awesome. And it doesn't matter what lifestyle you come from. doesn't matter how much money you have or how much money you don't have. The reality is all people need Jesus. That's what we learn from that. Point number one, Jesus and Jairus. Notice in your Bibles again, it tells us that Jairus was a ruler in the synagogue. He came to Jesus and he said, Jesus, my daughter's at the point of death. Please come lay your hand on my daughter who is 12 years of age. Now, Matthew's gospel, as you look in your own time in the gospel of Matthew, you see that Jesus or Jairus comes to Jesus and he says, my daughter's dead. Apparently, at this point in Mark, when Jairus comes to Jesus, his daughter had not yet died. So he comes to Jesus. The Bible tells us that he was a ruler of the synagogue, or arche sumo gagos, the Greek word for the ruler of the synagogue. Understand something, it was very difficult for Jairus to come to Jesus. You see, as the ruler of the synagogue, the synagogue was a place where people gathered. The synagogue was a place where people studied. And in each synagogue, there were 10 men. And out of those 10 men, there was assigned one man to be the ruler. And Jairus was that ruler. He was a man who was strict in following the Jewish laws. Now, you know, the spiritual leaders of that day were rejected Jesus and they didn't like Jesus and so they would, it would be jeopardizing his position as the ruler of the synagogue to even come to Jesus. Jairus was a powerful and prominent and prosperous, influential man who had to put aside his prejudice and pride and dignity to come to Jesus. And he was willing to do that because his precious little daughter was sick at home and dying. Did you get that? Did you get that? Jarius was willing to humble himself because he had a need. There is nothing wrong with humbling yourself and coming to Jesus because you have a need. Listen and listen close. How many of us have heard people say, I don't want to become a Christian because, you know, just because my life is bad and my life is messed up and, you know, I don't want to come to, come to Jesus right now because everything's bad in my life and it will seem like I'm just becoming a Christian because everything's bad. I've heard it a hundred times. I've been in various prison ministries where I talk to people who are inmates and guys who are inmates and, and you know, and they call it jailhouse religion because everything's bad in their life and they give their life to Christ as if something is wrong with that. Listen, there's nothing wrong with that. Matter of fact, I think it's Satan himself who tells people there's something wrong with you giving your life to Christ when there's a problem in your life. This is why he came to die. 
He came to die for folks like us who have lots wrong in their lives, who have real problems, and he says, come to me. The spirit and the bride say, come to me, and he will take that nothing life of yours and make something out of it. We need to come to Jesus when everything is bad. Well, Jesus is just a crutch. Yeah. And your point is, and the reality is everybody has a crutch. And some people's crutch is sex, and some people's crutch is drugs, and some people's crutch is whatever it might be. But everyone is going to lean on something or somebody. Is there anything wrong with leaning on Jesus? Amen, saints? Lean on him. Jarius did that. He was broken. And he needed Jesus, and so he comes to Jesus. Sometimes God will allow suffering in your life just so you will come to him. You think, man, my life is a mess. Everything is bad. All my situations are out of control. I can't seem to get it together. You know, could that be the Lord saying, I've orchestrated things that way because you need to give your life to me, and I'm not going to let you have any peace until you give your life to the Prince of Peace. And so suffering and trial and adversity and tribulation could be God saying to you, I want you to come to me. I want you to bring your needs to me. Well, this is what Jarius did. He heard about this itinerant preacher, Jesus, who was doing miracles and healing people and giving sight to the blind. And so Jarius comes to Jesus, desperate, heartbreaking, And he asked Jesus to come to his house and Jesus went. And while he was walking, a woman who had a flow or an issue of blood for 12 years comes behind him. And so the story now moves from Jesus and Jarius to Jesus and the woman in verse 25 through 24. Now, this woman with this issue of blood for 12 years, let's dig a little bit deeper here. According to Leviticus chapter 15, according to Jewish law, if a woman, listen, were to bleed past her normal month, past her normal time, she was deemed diseased and unclean. She wasn't able to go to church or synagogue. Wherever she sat had to be ceremonially cleansed. If you went over to her house and you hugged her, you sat on her furniture and sat on her couch, You had to be ceremonially cleansed. This woman was an outcast in society. And for 12 years, this woman, no one hugged this woman. No one kissed this woman. No one shook this woman's hand or patted her on the back. No one ever took her out to a nice dinner. She was pushed away. She probably wanted to run up to a little girl outside who was playing and maybe some kids and just hug them and talk to them like we all do. And she couldn't do that. And I'm no doctor, but I'm sure with the loss of blood for 12 years, this woman was dizzy and she was faint and lightheaded all the time. And so then the trauma of knowing that you're sick, having all kinds of symptoms and you go to the doctor and Dr. Quack tells you, you know, hey, take this and try this and try that and give this a try and give that a try. And nothing is working. That's frustrating. That happened to me. I had a very bad back problem. And I went to all the doctors, and I went to Duke, and, and I saw all the best doctors, and some of you guys know all these famous good back doctors, and I went to them all, you know. 
And, and they'd say, well, try this and try that and do this and do that and buy this piece of equipment and buy that piece and swim and do this. And, do. and I did it all. And my back never got better. And I was frustrated. And they were giving me pills. And they were giving me bills. And I'm like, Dr. Quack, please stop the insanity. And this woman, I'm sure she felt that way. So what we have here, understand here, what we have is this woman who has this physical, emotional, financial strain for 12 years, and now she's bankrupt. She's tried all the doctors and nothing works. This woman is sick and she's sad, she's hurting, she's lonely, she's rejected with no hope. And so she heard about Jesus, just like the Jarius did. She heard about Jesus and she heard that he was eating with sinners. And she probably thought, hey, I can go to him. I, 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 if I could just get to him. And she's thinking, this is my chance. If I could just touch the hem of his garment. And when she touched the hem of Jesus, she also touched the heart of Jesus. And at that moment, something happened in her. And the Bible says she was healed. But not only did something happen in her, but something also happened in Jesus. Because the Bible says that virtue or power went out of him and Jesus stopped and he turned around and he said, who touched me? And the woman was fearful and she came and she told Jesus the whole story. And he said, your faith has made you whole. Go in peace. Jesus called this woman out publicly. I wonder why. Why would he call her out publicly? I mean, there's hundreds, even thousands of people. Why would he call her out publicly? Well, I think mainly for three reasons. Number one, I think Jesus called this woman out publicly because he wanted her to be a bold witness for him. That is so important. Oh, you remember, as I said, there are hundreds of people there. The woman's hiding. She's trembling. She's fearful. And Jesus says, who touched me? calling her out to be a bold witness for him. You know, let me tell you something. If God has forgiven you, if God has cleansed you, if God has healed you, if God has changed your life, then you need to tell somebody. You know, there is a power in confession. If you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God has raised Jesus from the dead, you shall be saved. There is a power in confession. Because when you confess... It's something about saying something out of your mouth. When you hear what you say, it kind of registers in your mind, in your spirit. Not only that, but when you say something or you confess with your mouth, then it makes you accountable to live and to do what it is you said you were going to live and do. Oh, I remember that time in my life where I didn't want to tell anybody I was a Christian. Because now i got to act like one. It's like, <laughs> so you don't tell anybody. You know, so many Christians are secret service Christians. Isn't it true? How many times have you been on a job or at school and then you've been there like a year or two and then you find out this person's a Christian? And you go, you're a Christian? Yeah, I'm a Christian. Well, I didn't know. And they go, well, I didn't know you either. Why? Because you're living a secret life as a Christian. It is something. When you tell somebody you're a Christian, now they expect you to act like one. It actually holds you accountable. So confessing with your mouth is important. Not only that, but in Matthew chapter 10, verse 32 and 33, Jesus said this, Therefore, whoever confesses me before men, and listen to this sobering comment, if you confess me before men, I will also confess you before my Father who is in heaven. And whoever denies me before men, him I also will deny before my Father who is in heaven. Let me encourage you. If you've recently become a Christian, 
tell somebody, tell anybody, just, just walk up to somebody at the mall and say, hey, I'm a Christian. And they'll go, oh, no, another Jesus freak. Okay, let's go this way, Martha. But tell somebody. It's very important, not only to be a bold witness, but Jesus called this woman out publicly, I think, as a rebuke to the crowd. You see, there was a crowd there. The people pressed and the people were bumping into each other. And Jesus said, who touched me? Hundreds, maybe even thousands of people. And only one touched Jesus. That's fascinating to me. One came to him in faith. Oh, how many people, hundreds of people that come to this church every week, every Sunday, and yet how many of us really touch Jesus? Hundreds come, but how many really touch him? Or do you come thinking, you know, Rodney, you know, I hope this is a quick sermon because, you know, we're going to go out after church, we're going to go to dinner, or I've got things planned, so make it quick. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch, in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.